Hey, everybody, it's Brian. Today on the episode, we have our favorite person, Mr. Jory Griffiths, on for a discussion of horror movies and whatever else comes up. Now, here's the thing. It's a bit of an unusual episode because what you're going to hear is a conversation we had before and after watching the movie Saw together. If you want to watch the movie Saw with us, do a watch along, we're putting that up on our Patreon at patreon.com slash night. So that's not included here. What you're going to hear are the conversation we had before and after. And look, it's really fun. It's a little atypical. It's a little bit of a twist from our normal late night episodes. We don't do any of the segments, what's popping, whatever the other segment is. I try not to pay attention to that stuff. And it's a bit of a departure from what we normally do, but it's really fun because, hey, it's a jury episode, baby. Enjoy. Trying to be just as business-like as possible from here on out. No gags, no goofs. Yeah, nobody have fun. This is my recurring bit with Audrey, where I'm like, okay, look, no fun. You're not allowed to have fun. How do I feel about fun? And she'll go, you hate it. <laughs> and uh, how, how aware is Audrey that this is a, a bit, a totally. recurring bit, as you called it? She is totally aware. Now, you, you may or may not be aware. I've talked about this on the show, albeit years ago, we have a recurring game that we play where we play nemeses and she is a person whose only goal is to have fun. The name of this hero, if you will, is Fun Girl. And I am her arch enemy and she named me Dr. Bummer. <laughs> I'll chase around and I'll be like, are you having fun? Yes, I'm having the most fun ever. Okay, here, I'm going to put you in the zone where you can't have any fun. It's so fun being in the not fun zone. And then it goes on <laughs> like that forever. It's very cute. It's very cute. Wow. I'm wondering when she'll get to the age where if this bit is still going, she knows that the right thing is to do like a DreamWorks-esque coy smile. Say like, no, I'm not having fun. You know what? Fun. She's kind of there already, honestly. She literally just started that sort of thing within the last few months. It's all very cute. This morning in the car, uh, I was driving her somewhere, and I was like, we always listen to music in the car. And I said, Audrey, what do you want to listen to? And she's thinking, and I said, I know what we can listen to. Why don't we listen to me recite all the reasons I'm the best father ever? And she interrupts me and very uh, vehemently goes, no! <laughs> okay. What can I say? When you've got it, you've got it. My point, Jory, is I'm already embarrassing. Well, we knew that. Yeah, that's true. Um, yes, I am, as the kids say, goblin mode cringe yeet. You're pretty chuggy. I'm definitely <laughs> chuggy. Jury, there is a text that you sent in our group chat the other day that really got me. Oh, right. Oh, let's read it. I'd like to hear it. It was sent and directed at you. At me? Yeah. We can reenact this yeah, on okay. Tuesday. Where, where do we start? I text... Do you fellers feel like slash have time to actually do a Saw watch along soon or another Sopranos? Hold on, I'm finding it. Jesus Christ, oh, old man. Saw. Yeah, see, he's finding it too. When is this from? Just earlier this week. You say, yes, I will do all caps hold on, hold anything sh to shut spend up, shut time up, shut up, with Jory. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Uh, and then Jory says. 
I can't find this. I don't know God what's damn going it. on the with text, this. The text is that Jory says men would literally spend time with Jory instead of going to therapy, and that made me cackle. <laughs> oh, well, now, <laughs> I found, now I found it. Of course you did. And can I tell you what the holdup was? What? I thought you said fellas, but the text says fellers. <laughs> yeah, did I not I'm, emphasize that? No, I'm reasonably that? certain you did say fellers, Leighton. Thanks, Jory. Okay, let, let's reenact it now that everyone knows what it is. All right, go, Leighton. Do you fellers feel no, like... No, 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 come slack? on, come on. No, no, br- br- bring it, bring it. Uh, unacceptable. Start over. <laughs> Do you fellers feel like slash have time to actually... Do you somehow brought the energy down? down? Yes, that's, or that's her special I need. I need this clean. We can't interrupt. Do it again. Do you fellers feel like slash have time to actually doing a Saw watch along soon or another Sopranos? Yes, I will do anything to spend time with Jory. Men would literally spend time with Jory instead of going to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Great. And there Incredible, it is. we did it. So I, I am feeling a little gun shy here because this is a movie that's been out for what, 20 years or something more at this point? I don't even know. Probably ever so slightly less, I'm thinking. Yeah, it might have come out 2003, like 2004, 2005. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess there's a way to find out. 2004. 2004. Yep. So I'm a little, I'm a little nervous and I think I'm deflecting a little bit. I, yeah. I don't think you and I have ever really talked about it. I don't think, but Leighton has told me that you're not much of a, is it just gore or is it horror in general? It's gore. I cannot handle honestly any real gore. I mean, it depends if it's like zombie stuff, like, I don't know, evil dead too. Certainly, if it's supposed to be funny, what else can I put in this? Dead Alive, stuff like that. It can have pretty extreme gore. Look, if you can do Dead Alive, you can do Saw. Except one's supposed to be funny and the other's not. And it, that does okay, matter. Okay. I'm to gonna, me. I am going to correct you. Okay. First correct of all, me, please. Saw is also fucking funny. <laughs> okay, yeah. great. It's not marketed that way, right? No, but they're goofy. They're goofy as shit, Brian. That's the thing. Everybody talks about them being torture porn, which is an unfair label that I think people throw around a lot. But these movies are so goofy, it's almost impossible to take them seriously on a gore level. The first one, I think, is the easiest to take seriously by like a country mile. I think by the time you get to two, it's already in another fucking solar system. But yeah, like these these movies definitely have like a camp aspect to them, like the the machinations of the scheme of the killer, the machinations of the scheme. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't that your undergraduate thesis, Jory? The machinations of the scheme. That's right. It's mostly stuff I copied and pasted from Reddit. Yeah, home of film (laughs) criticism on the Internet. (laughs) But yeah, I haven't watched this first one in a really long time, and I sincerely don't remember how ridiculous it is or isn't. It's definitely ridiculous, but I mean, they are cartoons by the time you get to the last few. I would say Carrie Elwes is ahead of the curve on the being a fucking cartoon. (laughs) He knows what movie he's in. He chews it up in this movie, which I love. And he's a detective or something, right? Hello? Legitimately furrowing <laughs> both of our brows in consternation. Yeah, we're, we're both very unconfident in the answer to that question. So the detectives in this movie are played by Danny Glover and oh. Ken Leung, is that his name? Who played Miles Straum on Lost. Oh, yeah, Miles Straum on Lost, yeah. yes, of course. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, baby, yeah, you know yeah. we're both I like lost him, heads. he's good. He was also an old 
And I was so happy to see him in that. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. He wasn't old. Brian hasn't seen that because he's just there all the time. He's on that beach (laughs) just 24-7. That's right. Sunning. I didn't know that was a thread on Late Night Now. I mean, we all know that Brian is old. How long have you been doing the old bits? (laughs) I think we talked about it once. No, I mean the Brian is old bits. Oh, that's that's been a runner. That's ever since the beginning. That's terrible. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I don't know if you know about this, but Leighton recently turned 14. (laughs) I don't know about that joke. What is wrong with that joke? There's one thing wrong with that joke, and I'm being entirely serious. That makes serious. my previous underage wiki feet situation even worse. Yeah, but <laughs> leg- leg- legitimately, what is wrong with that joke? Oh, Brian, I want to be clear that I did also I pointedly disagree hear... with Leighton's joke. I'm not I comfortable hear... with either of these jokes. Jory was transparently sucking up to you, Brian. I mean, he's being pretty obsequious right now. <laughs> In 2023, I'm going to be more authentically, or authentically, uh, authentically myself. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) Stop. Please, Brian. I've got some messages I need to reply to. I'm just going to start to look at my phone. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even 48 hours out from like maybe my most humiliating moment of the past year. And that was the first thing I did. I'm not even 48 hours from from this. Okay, fair enough. Do you want to talk about this? Sure. Did you know that there's a type of white claw that has 8% ABV? (laughs) After you told me I did. But I just saw it and was like, "Mm, white claw. (laughs) A different flavor. Yummy flavor. (laughs) Yummy, yummy. By by the way, (laughs) mm, white claw is a thing I've never said to myself. (laughs) No, I was like, why does this white claw actually taste good? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Because white claws don't do shit for me. So I can drink three of them and I'm like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a waste of money and I'm bloated. Not so. I drank three White Claw surges and then took my medication on time. And I spent most of the evening eating Twizzlers. And then I vomited on myself in a lift. And it oh wasn't God. even my lift account. That's the best part, honestly. Whose lift account was it? It was Vernon's. Yes. And I had to Venmo him a large amount of money to cover the fallout from that situation. I vomited on every single thing that I was carrying. Luckily, you've been really into fallout recently. (laughs) Wowie, (laughs) wowie. God, that hurts. (laughs) But yeah, I I miraculously got Twizzler vomit all in my hair on every single thing I was carrying, on every article of clothing, all in the lift. You know, I used to be like, man, why would you get into a lift if you think you're going to throw up? I was like, I had three white claws. I feel normal. And then... And it's not that far, right? No, it's not. It's a very short fucking drive. (laughs) 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 Anyway, all that to say, I I was talking to Jory about this earlier today, and it's like truly mortifying that me having to sit, because it was like, there was more time in the lift that I just had to sit there covered in vomit as we get home. And this is funny to me, but it's also like, this is just a mental image that I'm going to torture myself with of me uh-huh. covered in Twizzler vomit. I really cannot emphasize how much yeah. of it was constituted of partially digested oh Twizzlers. I don't even fucking like Twizzlers. They were just there. Well, let me ask yeah. the question, Jory didn't. Were you okay? Was I okay? Like, are you... Were you okay? You're healthy. You got home. Yeah, I got home. I was hungover as shit. And then I was like, 
what's White Claw Surge? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> my dumbass was just like, oh, fun new flavor. Oh, poor Layton. Not double the ABV. <laughs> right. It's not a conscious choice that you made. No, well, look, we have all done this. I mean, not in a lift, but we've all On not your realized- friend's account. Yeah, okay. There, there are some elements that I haven't personally done. On New Year's Eve, as the very first thing that you do to herald in the new year. Uh-huh. Some of us have pulled into a Chipotle parking lot <laughs> at 3 p.m. in the hot Ohio sun and uh, thrown up all over ourselves and then used the plastic bag that was in our hands to clean up the vomit rather than vomiting oh into the plastic bag that was already in our hands. Well, I'll tell you my... I guess, is it humiliating? I don't know. You can be the judge version of this. Back when I was in my, let's see, early 20s, younger than Layton, you are now, I was at a party at my girlfriend's house on a Saturday night. And at this point in my life, I guess I would have been 23 and had not been drinking for very long. I, I did not have a drop of alcohol all throughout college, only started drinking afterwards. So I had no idea what my tolerance was. And I got extremely drunk at this house, as did she. And I stayed over, and I remember I woke up on the floor, on a carpeted floor of her bedroom, and she was sleeping on the ground next to me. And I remember (laughs) waking up, and I'm going to change her name here. Let's call her Layton. I was like... Fine. We'll call her Jory just because of that reaction. I was like, I was like, Jory, uh, I don't feel so good. And Jory said, she wakes up and she goes, I'm going to throw up. And I, being a gentleman, said, throw up on me, which she absolutely did and unleashes a torrent of vomit onto my chest. I mean, a big one. And then we both go back to sleep. (laughs) Now, the next morning, I was slated to teach MCAT physics. (laughs) And uh, I had to get up, get to this class, which is a 9 a.m. class. I was teaching to earn a little bit extra money and had to excuse myself in the middle of this class to go barf a few (laughs) times. (laughs) <laughs> and then come back and act like nothing had happened. And there, if the, I mean, look, these are future doctors. They definitely knew something was going on because I can't imagine I looked healthy. <laughs> and that story is the one I had in mind. And maybe followed closely by the time I had to pull over and take a shit next to a dumpster. <laughs> in that story, I was picturing you. I was picturing you without any prompting that you looked unhealthy. I was picturing you yeah. looking like Doc Holliday from the end of Tombstone. That's, that's exactly right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I did say my catchphrase back then was, I'm here, Huckleberry. <laughs> and I know it's not the same, but I had to make it my own. <laughs> I should say that the taking a shit next to a dumpster, by the way, also uh, on the way to teach, uh, in that case, an SAT class, it was about a two-year period when I didn't realize I was lactose intolerant. And I was like, <laughs> what is going on with my body all of a sudden? Oh, God. Hey, that's life in your early 20s. I was going to say that the milk lobby was really powerful back then. Oh, okay. <laughs> Couldn't get enough of the sweet white goo. <laughs> anyway, Brian, what do you know about Saw? Well, this is a good question. So I have at some point read all of the plot descriptions on Wikipedia, which is something I do for horror movies I'm too scared to see. 
I know I'm not alone in this. So I, I have years ago read the deal. Can we do spoilers here? Everyone's seen this except me, right? Or should we wait until after? Yeah. Do you know the spoiler about the movie we're about to watch? Actually, you know what? Don't tell me if it's right or wrong. Okay. <laughs> but I think it's right that in the start of the movie, there's a body on the floor and they think it's dead, but it turns out it's not dead. And that's like Jigsaw. That's what I think the spoiler is. What do you know about the legacy of Hoffman and the way that his and Amanda's fates intertwine? <laughs> Jory, I did not even know those were characters in the film. Yeah, so I guess you should check yourself before you come in here acting like you know every plot before point I of the Saw films. wreck myself, yeah. Actually, I think Hoffman isn't even in this movie, right? He comes into play in two. Okay, you know some Saw things. Do you know just generally, like what the deal with Saw is? I know the bad guy is named, or the mastermind, I shouldn't say the bad guy, because who are the real bad guys? But the, right, That's a really powerful statement the film thank you, Adam, makes. We're going to get into this afterwards. Uh, Jigsaw is the person who's designing all the traps, and dude's got spirals on his cheeks. And that's what I know. Does he? I think. <laughs> Maybe it's his eyes? I don't know. You might be thinking of a certain tricycle-riding puppet. Oh, okay. Okay. Chucky? <laughs> I would love it so much if Chucky was in this movie. How great would that be? Oh, my God. Like, a Child's Play Saw crossover just feels right. I think maybe I just want Brad Dourif in a Saw movie. <laughs> yeah, same. I want Brad Dourif in every movie. Saw, I feel like it's really easy to forget what a huge impact they had, even if they weren't influential as films. I think they're the most successful horror franchise. And they were around for fucking ever. More than The Conjuring, I guess, would be the only other one I might... The Conjuring probably beat it, and that's exactly it. It's like... I think, the, I think it's par the, the paranormal... The competing Waniverse. Yeah, yeah. Oh, do you totally. think Paranormal Activity, maybe just because they have such low budgets that they grossed more? I think when I was researching Deep Cuts, it was the Paranormal Activity franchise. In terms of, like, biggest profit made off of a single movie, it was the first one. Gotcha, that makes sense. And then it went on to be a much bigger thing. Anyway, but yeah, I think that is a really excellent point, Jory. And also, you know, as these movies were coming out and my mom was watching them and renting them, I think that the, like poster design for these movies is very elegant. Yes. Memorable. Definitely memorable. Yes. And it feels like it's for a much different movie in the sense that the posters feel like too nice and <laughs> elegant for how ridiculous and stupid the movies yeah. are. And I say that with massive love and respect for the Saw movies. Like, I fucking love these movies, but they're goofy. Also, didn't at least one of them get, like, pulled after complaints? Because, like, a couple of them get pretty gnarly, where they're, like, you know, dismembered fingers and shit like that. Right. Are you sure I'm going to be okay with this? This movie isn't too rough. There, You don't really see too much on screen. If I remember correctly... The ideal movie. Yeah, I think there are... <laughs> <laughs> Jory was pointing this out earlier, that I think the later movies go way harder on, here is you actually looking at the fucked up gore thing that is happening. Right. Not that it's all implied in this one, but it's definitely not as, like, gratuitously, here's the fucked up thing. Totally. 
That might be a lie. Maybe my barometer is just completely... (laughs) That's true. I'm certain mine is really far off, too. The description in Hulu, which is where I'm watching this, says, In the classic that launched the hit horror series, two men awaken to find they have become pawns in a maniac's twisted game. Which, for me, is pretty much every weekend. (laughs) Uh, Not sure how to co-sign that bit. Jarek, put a laugh Um, track in there. (laughs) Oh, the only thing that would make this show worse is a laugh track. Then Jarek definitely put a laugh track in there. I think the show is very good and funny. Thank you, Jory. It's even better when you're on it. Wow. Oh, yeah. James Wan rules. I have pretty mixed feelings about The Conjuring just because I think maybe I am kind of thrown by those movies being just like a Catholic's worst nightmare. And that's why (laughs) they are such like hit movies that are considered to be very scary. Mm -hmm. But I think that they bring something very lean and effective. So you're talking about Conjuring. Yeah, yeah. I found myself getting genuinely excited about James Wan as a filmmaker after watching Malignant. Have you seen Mm -hmm. Malignant, Brian? You haven't seen Malignant, right, Leighton? No, I haven't. I've been looking forward to watching it, though. Malignant is completely self-aware in a way that I really, really enjoyed. Whereas, like, Saw, I'm going to go ahead and say that the movie we're about to watch is pretty unself-aware. And it's his first. I didn't realize it. It's his first feature. Wow. Yeah, it's a tiny little indie. It had, like, a million-dollar budget and made, like, a hundred million, I think. Crazy. It's, like, buck wild. This movie was super profitable. It really launched him. I'm on Saw on Hulu, and underneath, it's giving me a You May Also Like. Are you guys seeing that? I was going to talk about this, because some of these You May Also Likes are bananas. You seeing Grim Cuddy down here? I am, and it's next to Perks (laughs) of Being a Wallflower for me, which is the one that stood out. Well, let me know if you want to talk about Grim Cuddy. I really enjoyed that movie. (laughs) Did you watch Grim Cuddy? (laughs) I did. This is the first time I'm hearing of it. It's a very charming indie. I was wondering while I was watching it if maybe it was one of those... Um, have either of you watched any of the... Uh, Hulu does a series of s- short films where they do like... I'm trying to remember what it's called. It's called something generic. It's called like Pathways into Darkness, except that's a video game. But it's like a holiday-themed series of short horror films where they do like 60-minute episodes where no. it's like, this is the April Fool's episode and this is the Graduation Day episode and shit uh-huh. like that. Grim Cuddy feels kind of like one of those in its kind of like general air of cheapness. But I feel almost bad talking about it because like I was so strongly of two minds about the movie because it's like very charmingly cheap but also like very committed to its narrative values and the things that it's about. But also an additional but is that the movie has this like it was palpably written by like a dad and it's expressly about well, dad now concerns. you have my interest yeah. <laughs> well have either of you watched searching yes no. it stars john cho that was supposed to be good right i think people were recommending this i think it has a lot of good happening but i think a lot of people saying searching was good was based entirely in unfriended erasure Oh, this is exactly where I was going to go. It's like, people will be like, searching is amazing. Unfriended is shit. (laughs) How dare you? Well, you have to take a side. Unfriended is good, actually. I think unfriended is much more committed to the bit than searching is. But searching is really interesting because at the time it was made, it was like expressly for 45-year-olds. Now you have my attention. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it it was a couple of years ago. Definitely out of touch people. 
It has a joke suggesting that a boy isn't masculine enough because he likes Justin Bieber. Oh, classic. In a movie from like 2018. Weird. Like way too late to be making that joke. But also obviously that joke is kind of gay panicky and weird anyway is my point. Sure. But um, yeah, Grim Cuddy kind of has that same vibe where it's like, it's very concerned with like, think of the children. (laughs) Which I was, I found it really charming. So looking at this picture, it's like a Momo thing. It's not that original. It kind of just looks like the Babadook. I hate that I Google Grim Cuddy and on the first page of Google image results is porn of Grim Cuddy. What? Hold on. Now I have to Google Grim Cuddy. God damn it. Is that just part of the whole villains wiki, like Tumblr sexy men thing? Part of me wants to be like, this is a joke. But another part of me is like, okay, they totally thought through the genitalia situation for this. Oh, I'm looking at this. I don't see any porn and I am looking hard. Not hard enough, apparently. I guess not. (laughs) Oh, wait, here we go. Got it. I just didn't scroll down enough. It's like an illustration. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Cool. We've got a situation there. It's gooped up. We sure do. We sure do, Layden. (laughs) (laughs) This movie looks great. (laughs) I mean, that's some fun monster design. And it's practical most of the time. It's somebody in a silly costume and it rules. That's great. Um, More people in silly costumes, please. Can you guess what the tomato meters score for this movie is? For Grim Cuddy? Yes. And the audience and critics are basically the same. Interesting. I was going to assume that the audience was higher. Uh, 12%. Jory? I think that having said everything I said about how the movie has kind of an indie charm and a commitment to theme, I'm going to put it more in like the 40s. I'm going to put it right at 40. It's right in the middle, 24% audience score. And Tomato Meter is 25. But that's with eight reviews for the Tomato Meter. But I will say, not bad. Could have done much worse. Could have done worse, yeah. As we've spent a, a lot of time talking about, it, I just want like a respectable C minus. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, yes, Jory, I'm taking questions. Do you like horror movies at all? Yeah, I mean, as long as they're not gory and upsetting, okay. uh, I like horror. I like. I, I mean, yes, I like horror movies. I like the iconography. I don't like jump scares. Oh, you like psychological horror? Yes, I do like psychological horror because as a mastermind of psychological horror, by which I mean inflicting it on others, I see a lot to relate to. Mm. Audrey uses the word jump scare to mean scare, which I thought is interesting. (laughs) Like I, she thought I was hiding around a corner the other day because I was, and she was like, daddy, don't jump scare me, which I thought- That's pretty funny. Oh, maybe this is a language change or she's just seeing it. I think that must be a language change. Jump scare has taken on a really funny meaning. I guess I don't know what article of speech jump scare would have been before, but... It was a noun, and now it's a verb. Yeah, 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 totally. Mm. I think it's really interesting how much, like, Five Nights at Freddy's kind of... Yes. ...changed what that word means. It's exactly what I thought, too. It's exactly what I thought. But yeah, I I like horror. I mean... What are my favorite movies that Name are horror movies? Name five horror movies. Paddington 2. <laughs> uh, Terrifying. Paddington. Uh, let's see. Aladdin. Um, Up. And Faces of Death 4. 
Now Up definitely is a horror yeah. movie. What I was going to say is I feel like my bits aren't really landing tonight in the way I'd planned. I write them all out for the show, of course. And <laughs> I thought they were going to be solid C's. And it seems like we're edging into the F minus territory with most of them. Uh, what, what, uh, what bits? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> oh, brutal. Wow. Devastating. Oh, what horror movies do I like? Okay. Well, would you count? I mean, I love the evil dead movies. Absolutely. I would. Yeah. They're not scary, but they're, they're no. horror for sure. There's like a few jumps. In them? Yeah, totally. But nothing really. Oh, but no, I have a deep love of those. Wait, we've talked about Ash vs. Evil Dead. Yes. I'm suddenly remembering. I like that series a lot, actually. What else? I mean, I've seen, like, zombie stuff. I've seen, you know, many of the classics. I'm so burned out on zombies that I always forget how great Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead are. They're I've both seen really wonderful movies. Dawn and Day, but not Night. Speaking of being oversaturated on zombies, I finally read I Am Legend and oh. I was a good bit through it. And I was like, you know, we've been here before. And then I finished it and saw that it was written in the fucking 50s. Yeah. And it was like, oh my God, wow. I just assumed this was bottom tier, like 90s shit and not the thing that started all of these tropes. Yeah, that's really fascinating. The Omega Man is based on it. Right. I never thought yeah. about that. Yeah. Like, Omega Man is kind of the first zombie movie in a lot of ways, even though yeah. it's, I mean, it's about vampires or something, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, it's it's like very early post-apocalyptic film, except it's Charlton Heston stumbling around confused, but like in a tough way. I can list a lot of movies I was too scared to see. Event Horizon. Have you seen Event Horizon? No, I was too scared to see it. <gasps> Brian, we have to watch Event Horizon sometime. I know, oh, I and love it's that about movie. physics, too. Speaking of goofy ass movies. <laughs> <laughs> For a long time, that movie got held up as like the pinnacle of terror. Like that right. was oh, one yeah. where people right. would be like, sure, you're pretty cool for liking Leon the Professional, but have you seen Event Horizon? <laughs> <laughs> so, that was like always number one for like 10 years on Reddit where would be like, what's the scariest movie you've ever seen in your life? And it's like, oh, when they get the tape from the other side of the black hole. It's okay, guys. <laughs> such bullshit. I was too scared to see Coppola's Dracula. I think an underrated movie. Watching scenes from it now, it looks stupid, I have to say. I think that as a movie that really undersells like Jonathan and Mina and Lucy from the book and is much more of like a movie about Dracula, I think it's really successful. I just mm -hmm. think that there's a ton of Keanu Reeves and all of that shit in there. Like, yeah. that probably should have been edited out. But, I mean, the production design is unbeatable. It looks so amazing. Mm. Cool. Keanu Reeves should be edited out of most movie season, to be fair. God bless his heart. He's so <laughs> cute in that movie. And Coppola said it. There's, like, a quote that I think goes around on Twitter all the time now that's basically Coppola saying, like, Keanu Reeves isn't a bad actor. In fact, he was working so hard on the set of Dracula that he was getting, like, distracted by how hard he was focusing on his accent, and he let it get in the, get in the way of the naturalism of his performance. It's, like, uh -huh. such a sweet thing for this older direct director to say. Oh. Keanu's performance is unacceptably terrible in the movie, to be clear. Yeah. <laughs> He's unacceptably terrible in most movies, and I love him. It's really true. I was literally just wearing my Keanu Reeves shirt <laughs> the other day. Uh, Wait, what is your Keanu Reeves shirt? It's something that I bought as a gift for somebody else, but had forgotten that I had already gotten them a thing. And then I was like, well, wait, I want this. 
It's 90s Keanu Reeves with a bunch of emojis on top of it. <laughs> That's so tight. Is it like Johnny Mnemonic era? He's given peace signs and it's the 90s. Cool. Okay. Give me five horror movies I should see. You seen The Exorcist? Yes, I like The Exorcist. Especially the extremely long introduction to that film where you're like, Yes. What is happening here? Yeah, where the movie starts in the, the desert Middle East or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, when's the fucking devil show up already? And I know it's not the <laughs> devil before anyone corrects me. I'm aware it's Pazuzu, so calm the fuck down. But yes, there's a very long intro to that movie. The wind's all out of my sails now. Ooh, I was going to own you so good. I know, you always do, Jory. That's how I caught The Exorcist on Framed one day, because I was like, hmm, frame one. We're in the desert. This is the fucking exorcist. <laughs> yeah, that's dope. Cool. I didn't get it on frame one. Damn. All right, exorcist, what else? Have you seen Exorcist 3? No, I have not, but I'm aware you love it. It's the best. It's just the fucking best. It's yep. the greatest. Have you seen Poltergeist, directed by Joe Dante or maybe Steven Spielberg? <laughs> wow. <laughs> brutal. A brutal takedown of Toby Hooper. Yes, I love Poltergeist. In fact, I recently watched it for the 10th time or something. Poltergeist rules. Big fan. I love that movie. Also, I was thinking of Gremlins when I said Joe Dante or maybe Steven Spielberg. I crossed the wires on my own joke. Oh, you meant to say Toby Hooper, maybe Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Toby Hooper, who totally directed Poltergeist. Yes. And Joe Dante, who totally directed all of Gremlins. Yes. There's just not enough, you know, the real director's trademark of a Toby Hooper film other than having the most like formulatic, formula. Formulatic. I like that. I like that word a lot. (laughs) The most mathematically perfect jump scares, like that man sets them up so well, but also he so badly wants to give you upskirts, like very famous shots in Texas Chainsaw Massacre where it's just like ass in the right third. Oh, really? It's gorgeous. It really looks great. But yeah, Toby Hooper has a commitment to trying to show you hole. uh, And there's just not not enough hole in Poltergeist. Uh Uh-huh. The tree in Poltergeist has a pretty big hole in it. Mm, mm, it does. It does. The pool or, you know, pit of skellies. Mm-hmm. There is a manufactured hole in Guy pulling his face off, which I think all three of us have discussed on this show years ago. Ah, my favorite. Yeah, well, actually, at the end, that closet becomes uh, a giant canal, right? Mm, yes. It looks, honestly, in my opinion, I'm going to go out on a limb here, pretty damn fuckable. Poltergeist shows whole. I stand corrected. Yep. Have you seen The Descent? No, I think that's too scary for me. Really? Are you claustrophobic? No, not really. If you're not claustrophobic, the movie doesn't have anything else credible to be afraid of. I don't know if that makes a difference for you. Yeah, that would make a difference. Sure. I'm super duper claustrophobic, so that movie kind of gets me a little bit. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, it's just like feral creatures in a cave. And there's no, like, gross disembowelings and stuff? Uh, Only kind of. Okay, 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 okay. That that (laughs) was enough of a pause that I'm out. Well, no, it's a great one, because watching that movie for the first time knowing nothing about it and being like, cool, I've got at least 20 minutes to chill before shit starts going down, and that movie is like, nope, mm mm-mm. You You just smoked weed for the first time. God, <laughs> Sorry, that's not true. That was not the first time I smoked weed. It was the first time I smoked weed out of a bong. Yeah, that was some fun. Have you seen Final Destination? I've never seen any Final Destinations. They're pretty fun. Final Destination, they have elements of camp. Right. But I think that they are 
much more self-aware than Saw. I would say that Final Destination as a franchise is more circumspectly good than Saw is. I have a deep love of Saw, but it's very, very bad in a lot of respects. And I think that the Final Destination movies are generally a lot of campy, knowing B-movie fun. Yes, they feel a lot more honest. Yeah. I I believe an old NSP tweet is porn movie idea, Final Destination. I think I don't understand. I think I want you to break down the logic of that if you can. Yeah, explain to me why that's funny, Brian. Well, you see, breast and dest rhyme. And a breast is a body part, which quite frequently has a nipple on the end of it. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a Linda uh, underwear joke. Yeah, that's a a little something for daddy. That's like a Don DeMello joke. Thank you, Jory. Thank you very much. That's exactly what I was referencing. Thank you. A character, by the way, we have not heard from in a long time on that show. It does make me really sad, yeah. He showed up in season two of the Andy Daly podcast pilot project, which I think was in 2015. It's been a while. Yeah, so this is, Leighton, this is a character on Comedy Bang Bang, played by Andy Daly, who, uh, Mm. you know, he'll be talking about these plays or whatever he produces, and then what's his exact catchphrase, Jory? He's like, and then we bring him out. Give a little something for daddy. <laughs> yeah, well, I think his official catchphrase is, uh, and of course he always sounds like he is an instant away, like he's using his last breath to say yes. this to you. Right, right, right. But uh, I think his actual official catchphrase would probably be, bring out the girls. Out the- yes, that's right, yeah. <laughs> God, Andy Daly is so funny. He's the, oh, best. he's the best. Oh, so you, you just tricked Jory into doing one of his world-famous impressions. I know. There you go. Next, Jory, can you do your Madeline Albright? <laughs> R.I.P., of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> wow. Is she British in that impression? <laughs> uh, you talking about Andy Daly, which you brought up, not me. It reminded me of one of the only features that I've ever really seen Andy Daly in because he's so woefully undercast. I know. Is uh, he makes a prominent appearance in A Haunted House, the post scary movie uh, <laughs> oh, Marlon really? Wayans parody oh, of no. Paranormal Activity. Uh huh. <laughs> it's a movie that has its moments. Have you ever seen any of the Paranormal Activities? I've seen two of them. Yes, in fact. Which ones? One and two. Hmm. I think two is the Diminishing Returns sequel, and three is the one that figures out some fun new stuff. Is three the one that has, like, the all of the kitchen cabinets opening yeah, jump scare? Yeah, I really like that one. I also have intense fondness for the first one because it came out at just the right moment to scare the shit out of me. It's pretty great, honestly. Like, it does what it does very well. Yeah. For, for for deeper background on the cultural impact and influence of paranormal activity, listen to Deep Cuts, The Lost History of Found Footage yes. on this channel, this show, whatever. Fuck. I think we should watch this film. I think we should. Okay, so this, this right here, this is where we watch Saw together. But you're not going to hear it. You got to go to patreon.com slash night for that. But right now, just imagine, imagine me and Leighton and Jory watching Saw together. It's incredible, right? All right. Here we go. Back to the conversation we had after the movie. So, Brian, what did you think of Saw? 
Wow, I totally delivered that very um, red letter media. <laughs> so, Jay, what did you think of Saw? <laughs> Fuck movies. <laughs> well, I'm not sleeping tonight. Let me just say that. I mean, it kind of fucked me up. It was a little too real, I think, was my problem with it. I'm worried about Carrie Elwes' health, (laughs) not because of his missing foot, but because of his skin color. (laughs) Seems like he was a little pale. He looks like Doc Holliday in Tombstone. (laughs) Okay. In, In all seriousness, that definitely, as you said, in which you were totally correct about, was very tame. And not the least bit upset. I mean, at all. I do not understand the reputation. It, um, sorry, I got choked up thinking about Carrie Ellis. Uh, uh, I do not understand the reputation it has for being fucked up. That seems totally undeserved. As with all such watch-alongs, maybe plot was not the thing I was paying the most attention to. To be fair, I don't think it would have been more coherent had we not been talking shit the entire time. It's oh, kind of totally, incoherent, yeah. right? It's hard to understand what and when stuff is happening. Is that right? Yeah. Did you like how the climax of the movie was just showing you a trailer for the movie that you just watched? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's my favorite thing about Saw movies. So, okay, let me try to piece it together. So the guy on the floor, Mm -hmm. Doug Saw, was the mastermind. I'm rolling my eyes so hard right (laughs) now. I don't understand why they said that was his name. That you didn't understand that that was John Kramer. (laughs) (laughs) So he was the mastermind. He Mm -hmm. convinced Michael Emerson to take the wife and daughter prisoner because he poisoned him. And so we're sort of positioned to think that Michael Emerson is the bad guy, but he's not. He's been hired by the actual mastermind. And who's the photographer? Who hired him? That was Danny Glover. Danny Glover hired the photographer mm-hmm. to follow Carrie Elwes. Mm-hmm. Why? Because Danny Glover thinks that Carrie Elwes is Jigsaw. I see. And because his partner was killed, Ken Lung was killed by Jigsaw, he has this vendetta. Mm-hmm. Yes, except he kind of seemed like he was obsessed with him even before that. So it's not like True. it's not like him dying was a real inciting incident or anything. Yeah. Yeah. I'm never going to see this film again. It was fun to watch. I definitely uh, enjoyed watching it with you both. But it's not my style of film. I wouldn't even call it horror, right? This isn't a horror movie. That is something very interesting watching it again is how much more of a th- like attempt at a thriller it is. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's a capital T thriller. Well, capital T, I don't know. Capital S for Saw. Indeed. As we took our little break there, did a little cursory scan through the IMDb trivia. And I just appreciate how all of the trivia is like, yeah, this is all the same room. They just redress the room. The car chases them shaking the cars. Uh, Lee Winnell and James Wan made the puppet from scratch and all the low budget stuff. Like the aforementioned showing you a trailer for the movie. That was because they didn't have enough footage. Like, Oh, oh really? Wow. Yeah. And then that just kind of becomes a hallmark of the rest of them. Yes, it's so good. I think the name of the track, the ba 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 ba, is Hello Zep, even though that line is never said in the movie. But mm-hmm. damn. Yeah. Thinking about it from the perspective of having seen some of the others much more recently, or maybe just having a clearer memory of what they actually are, I think that the games of like, 
not knowing how the timeline fits together and not knowing how people's like personal lives fit together. Mm-hmm. Those get carried through into the other movies. And I think way more successfully, like mm-hmm. the fucking goofy ass gambit of uh, Saw 2 being like not knowing where and when the kid is, is just mm-hmm. like so much more effective of a bit than some of the things they tried in this where it's like, yeah, I was in high school when this movie came out and I remember hearing the spoiler of who and where Jigsaw was before the movie came out. And I remember, like, other kids being, like, blown away. Like, they (laughs) loved it. And it's so funny what a weak premise it is. And it just, like, has no impact on the story whatsoever. Like, the fact that that guy was the guy just does not matter at all. It's so funny. That's why it it does feel like it's a great movie for 13-year-olds. Totally. You know, this is a junior high movie. Where you can be like, oh my God, I didn't see that coming. What? That was crazy. But for adults, it's like, all right, I know what a good movie is supposed to look like, and this is not it. Yeah. I didn't realize how little contextualization of John Kramer there is in this one. I was like retrofitting some shit from two and three. Yeah. Brian, (laughs) come on. Oh, Mr. Doug Saw. Sorry. Doug Saw. Yeah. Show some respect. But I was thinking about like the hospital shit in two or three with uh, his wife. Yeah. It's just like, oh man, you guys were trying really hard. The sequels are like trying to say sorry for everything that happens in one. It's like, <laughs> we have to explain this. So they give him more backstory in the sequels. And the movies lean in really hard to like the idea that he is like moral. Oh, okay. He's the good guy. Basically, and we get introduced to multiple, like, apprentices of, of Jigsaw who are, like, yes. less moral than him. Yes, one of one of whom you met in this film. Oh, Adam? No. Actually, nothing really happens with Adam at all. <laughs> no, other than just, like, his body's there. The daughter? The bear trap lady. It'd be so fucking tight oh, if it was the, the bear daughter. Trap How lady. rad would that be? Yeah, that would be right, sick as hell. Trap lady, yeah. Who, wait, who is she? Who the fuck was she? Think about that now. I don't. <laughs> she doesn't fit into the puzzle of like the way all the characters work together in this movie. She is of no consequence whatsoever. I see. She becomes a much bigger player in things. Watching this, having seen two relatively recently, I fucking love Saw 2. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny to me in retrospect thinking about like when Saw 2 came out, it felt like a much lesser sequel to me at the time, which is like, I'm really telling on what a fucking idiot I am. Uh, but um, there's a couple of things going on in two where it's like, you don't know how these two timelines fit together, where it turns out that this this trap that's happening to a bunch of characters is happening at the same time as what's happening to Donnie Wahlberg's detective character, who feels really, really similar to Tap from this movie, uh, mm-hmm. Danny Glover. But the version of... Jigsaw has been laying on the floor the whole time that Saw 2 does is so fucking funny where uh, Donnie Wahlberg is looking for his son mm-hmm. and it's established pretty early on that he's been kidnapped by Jigsaw and Jigsaw says pretty early on in the movie, <laughs> your son is in a safe place. Is he in a safe? <laughs> he's in, he's a, in fucking a fucking safe. safe with wow. an oxygen tank. <laughs> yeah, because the place is like filling with poison. Uh-huh. And it's a thing that they do over and over again in the series that they kind of touched on just a little bit 
Oh no, it's like the opposite of what they did in this movie where it's like, if you wish to die, you need only stay where you are or something. Mm-hmm. Where there's like traps all throughout the movies where it's like, if somebody only shows like patience and restraint, then they can survive their trap. And it's like Which Donnie Wahlberg. Which is the Walter. dumbest fucking <laughs> premise. It's like, you woke up in a bathtub. What are you going to fucking do? You're going to freak out. This is not a time for patience. You should retroactively have learned to appreciate the good things in your life more. Yes, like being <laughs> in a nice cold bath in a gross right. bathroom. Wait, so the key the key got flushed down the drain when he got out. Is that right? Well, Seems see, as way. is retcon slash established in the later films, I'm just going to go full series spoilers. So sure. part of Jigsaw was on the floor the whole time in two is that Amanda, who you saw with the bear trap, is one of the people in this situation again and is coming at it like, I've been through this before. But actually, she's his accomplice. I see. And basically, as the movies go on and she kind of like takes up the helm of being the pig or jigsaw, whatever, Mm -hmm. she's too cruel with the traps. And so there's like no way for anybody to get out. And so they just die. I see. So part of his thing is there's always a way. Yeah, yeah. And there's like a mentor relationship while he's dying. And like, anyway, but the the retcon for this movie is that she was supposed to put the key with the little pen light in his pocket. And instead she just throws it on him, like knowing that it's going to go down the drain. Like that was their justification for it. (laughs) Jory 3 is the one with the shotgun collar, right? I'm trying to remember how the pieces fit together there because doesn't that stretch across three and four? I remember three and four structurally like they're like the <laughs> Matrix Reloaded and Revolutions or like Two Towers and Return of the King where they were like shot right. at the same time. And they are comparably good movies. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> that joke doesn't work because people like The Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a really fun setup where like, you know, he's, he's dying of brain cancer and Amanda's like... He's tutoring her to do this shit, but she needs a doctor who will keep him alive. And so they kidnap a doctor and she has a shotgun collar on. And so if he dies, the collar goes off. And then I forget the B plot comes around where it's like, that's his wife. Uh huh. Yeah. But I completely forget whatever the um, stock detective character in Saw franchise person it is. Yeah. The movies also like generally have, you know, the story in this one seemed to be that, like, Tap is too obsessed with catching Jigsaw. Like, it's all something like that. Mm. And then one of them, I think it's Saw 5, is just, like, a big parable about the U.S. health and insurance systems. Like, right. it's all just a really, like, broad satire where you can tell that the person who wrote it felt, like, really, really clever. Like, I think there's a joke about co-pays in there somewhere. Like, it's all just, like, really broad things about how insurance is bad. It's a weird movie. I see that the sequel was a different script that then they, after Saw was successful, they were like, let's make that one a Saw. That's fascinating because, let me tell you, Saw 2 is airtight. <laughs> is that true? Or you're kidding? No. <laughs> okay, I didn't think so. Yeah. It's ridiculous, but... uh my plan was to play Civ after this. I might fucking throw on a little Saw 2 while I play Civ instead wow. of my rewatching the same, you know, six hour interrogation videos for the millionth time. I'm going to fire up my Xbox 360 and play Saw the game where you play as Detective Tap 
except <laughs> except legally distinct from the likeness of Danny Glover. <laughs> Is that really who you play as? Yeah. That's bananas. You could also play some Dead by Daylight, get a little pig action in there, boop That's the snoot. Right. As is the meme. Also, apparently, there is a Saw the Ride at a theme park. Where? What? Where? Yeah. In England. So, where? What? The it's homeland a ro- of. It's a, it's a roller coaster. Lawrence Gordon himself. <laughs> <laughs> in Surrey. Okay. It looks like a pretty fun roller coaster. Featuring an enclosed dark section and queue theming. The scariest ride in the world. Ha! <laughs> That's very funny. I really like on the Wikipedia page for it, there's like a little drawing of the track layout. Something about that's very pleasing to me. Yeah, the theme park head who made that an illustrator just to put it on Wikipedia. It's so cute. This ride features unique ride elements, which would be considered spoilers in the description below. Oh my God. This is part of Thorpe Park. Is that an amusement park, I guess? Yes. Wow, the logo for Thorpe Park. I was just about to (laughs) say that. (laughs) The most British thing. Wow, that's amazing. They have The Walking Dead, the ride. If it's anything other than you just walking through a place, then that's fucked up. This type of place seems like actual hell. (laughs) I can think of nothing I'd less rather do than go to something like, oh, I hate amusement parks. Theme parks and stuff are always like, they're kind of like a trauma that I always forget about. (laughs) <laughs> like, as enough years pass, like, the bad parts of the experience kind of fade from memory. Because lately yeah. I've really been wanting to go to a theme park. And when you actually go, I just, like, get just, like, hot and sunburned and dehydrated and get a migraine and it's a nightmare. Yep. Like, yeah. Like, the actual experience is so bad. But I really love rides and dark rides and shit. They make me so happy. Yeah. They should have Saw Gardens, which is all, it's a whole Saw-themed Amusement park, right? I'm on board so far. Wouldn't that be great? They'd get my money. Escape rooms. A series of escape rooms. Yep. Oh, imagine being the poor teens who got to work those escape rooms where, like, you know, with most of them, it's like, if you can't, you know, don't try to pull the bookcase off the wall. That's not what you're supposed to do. For Saw, it's like, don't try to dig a key out of your buddy's guts. Come on. (laughs) Thorpe Park has an attraction called Mr. Monkey's Banana Ride. You got to admit, that's hot as hell. Jory, what's your favorite saw trap? I think I have a little bit of fondness for the one where people have to cut off chunks of themselves <laughs> to weigh down the thing, just because that's such like an insane concept. Like in the world of like every trap, you should be able to like escape and live. Like the idea yeah. that it's just like cut off enough of your body in like a race. It's like that game where you spray water into a clown's mouth. Yeah. <laughs> this is body parts. Is this pound of flesh? Wait, are you on some kind of wikia that has a list of saw traps? Uh, I'm on sawfilms.fandom.com slash wiki slash pound underscore of underscore flesh. <laughs> they all have names, too. The devices on your heads are symbolic of the shackles you place upon others. <laughs> Hello. I want to play a game. The devices on your heads are symbolic of the shackles you place upon others. You recklessly loan people money, knowing their financial limitations, counting on repossessing more than they could ever pay back. You are predators. But today you become the prey, and it is your own pound of flesh that I demand. The scale before you is your only path to freedom. However, 
Only one of you may pass, and the toll is the ultimate sacrifice, the sacrifice of flesh. Before you are the instruments to exact this flesh. Move with haste now, for when the 60-second timer hits zero, the one who is given the most flesh will release their bindings, while the gears on your opponent's head will engage, piercing their skull. Who will offer the most flesh in order to save their life? The choice is yours. I was trying to think of a joke that whole time, but just your read was so harrowing that I couldn't think. That's what I do. Yeah. I get inside your head. <sighs> this is what I meant. Like, I can act. I acted the shit out of that. Yeah, absolutely. All I've ever wanted to do is be creepy. I like that there's a comment section on the song wiki. <laughs> I think I remember seeing, um, you know, those like asinine fucking videos that are like, survive all the traps from Saw <laughs> or like yeah, how to yeah. escape the island like shit like that I saw one about this I'm, I'm remembering now that was like just take a shit on the scale <laughs> <laughs> I really like this one that every word in this is first letter capitalized that'll be painful if I was in this trap I mean these skull piercers would pierce my skull and why do I need my flesh <laughs> to complete the competition <laughs> <laughs> I like that all of these comments are people trying to outthink the trap. This feels like a Godspeed you Black Emperor song title. <laughs> if I was in this trap, I mean these skull piercers would pierce my skull. Definitely does. Yeah. So do you have people cutting off parts of their body? Is that what happens here? Yeah, baby. I don't understand yeah. your dubiousness. Yeah, it's cool as hell. I was thinking about the climax of Spiral just in terms of, like, how did we fucking get here? <laughs> so Spiral's pretty recent, right? It is. It is, yeah. The story of it is so strange. Chris Rock is the lead and executive producer. Oh, right. It's a Chris Rock thing. That's right, yeah. Yeah, he, like, had the idea. The movie was, like, his idea. Like, it, it started development with Chris Rock just being like, you know, it would be a great idea for a Saw movie. And... <laughs> oh. Having watched the movie, I have no fucking idea what the inciting idea was. <laughs> right? <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson's in it? Wow. Yeah. He sure is. Huh. It's interesting. The one thing that really stands out in my mind, other than the truly bizarre climax, is that they do like a new jigsaw voice that I actually really like. How is it different? It's very Siri sounding. So it looks like all these movies do really well. Up until Spire. Oh, well, maybe not Saw 6. Oops. That one didn't do so hot. I think they sit in a absolutely perfect level of badness. And I mean this like Saw 1 through 4. 5 on, it gets a little like bad, bad and not just fun, fun bad. bad. Yeah. Does James Wan come back? Uh, I think he's like credited executive producer. But he's not direct because he went on to other stuff. Oh, he's probably like totally uninvolved after a certain point. Yeah. Oh, he wrote Saw 3. Let's see. Yeah, he co-wrote Saw 3. Oh my God, right. And, and, and fucking, I forgot about this. I was just Googling images from Spiral, but I forgot that the guy, uh, Eyebrows from the social network is is like the weird jigsaw character and it totally doesn't work. He's like a tech bro. Maybe I, it's been a while. I was really stunned when I watched this well, movie. <laughs> speaking of tech bros, Jory, let's discuss Glass Onion. Oh yeah, that movie. A film you and I both have seen. Layden, you have not seen this. Is that correct? Yeah, I haven't seen it. Jory, I'll allow you to react first. 
I think that in terms of story and filmmaking quality, I think it's pretty comparable to Knives Out. I'm not the biggest Knives Out fan, but I think it's a fun, entertaining movie. And I think my favorite thing about it, it is the type of high-quality adult entertainment that just generally doesn't exist anymore. I'm really glad the movies exist just because it's heartening that somebody's getting, like, big-budget money to make movies that are about human people played by actors (laughs) who are really playing their roles instead of being CGI stand-ins for a bunch of boring fucking characters that I hate. Uh, And I I would think they were tyrants if they actually existed and are terrible and awful in every way. And Glass Onion, I enjoyed much, 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 much more than I liked Knives Out, even though I think the story probably works less just because it's a really enjoyable comedy. It's got a bunch of jokes in it and actors doing funny performances. And that made me really happy. It was fun to watch. I completely agree with you. I did not like Knives Out. I liked Glass Onion. I had a good time watching it. Knives Out, for whatever reason, I found kind of insufferable. And I don't think it was Daniel Craig. I think it was literally everyone else. I liked Michael Shannon a lot in Knives Out. I think he was really great. I don't remember it because I kind of tuned the whole thing out. But I think I will go back, actually. You know, when you see a movie and you don't like it, it's always possible you were just in a bad mood or something. Yeah, totally. And I may have been in a bad mood. That came out in 2020, right? 2019. Okay, well, fuck that excuse, but maybe I was in a bad mood. I will say, yeah, to quote another podcast, something that Matt Gorley said that I think has really influenced the way I feel about movies is that he doesn't think there's good movies and bad movies. He thinks there's good movies on good days and bad movies on good days. 100%. (laughs) And that there's also good movies on bad days and bad movies on bad days. Yep, couldn't agree more. So I, I do actually want to go back and watch the first Knives Out because I don't really remember it. I just remember having a general feeling of no. The thing that I really like about the Michael Shannon character and the Michael Shannon performance is that that movie is, for some reason, it's very, like, absolutist morally and very, like, black and white and very simplistic, I think. Mm -hmm. And, And the only time that it really works for me on a story level is there's a scene where Michael Shannon, who has been, like, pretty nice to an anadarmist protagonist throughout the movie... Mm -hmm. He has a scene where the facade slips and he actually is like the most actually menacing any character is at any point in the movie. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is like the only scene in the movie that I think is interesting on a character level Mm -hmm. is like seeing him become actually sinister. I think worked really well and is really fun. Generally, though, the Daniel Craig performance in the first movie is a little bit of an uncanny valley. Yeah. He's not quite convincing enough to be credible and he's not quite silly enough to work as a comedy thing, except for a couple little moments. Like, there's a shot that I think about all the time from Knives Out when Benoit Blanc is just in his car listening to his iPod, Mm -hmm. and then he notices that there's a car chase happening, and he goes like, oh, damn it! And he, like, puts the key in the ignition and starts to drive in the car chase. Like, Mm -hmm. And it's, like, a very human little moment that I really like. And then in Glass Onion, they totally gave up on the idea of him being a credible character, and he's a cartoon, and he's yes. super funny and so palpably having so much fun. I just yeah. adored him in, in Glass Onion. I thought he was great. I, I agree with that. I thought, honestly, everyone was great in Glass Onion. Yeah, I think so, too. They were doing exactly what they came to do. Yeah. I've heard in the last week or two a few interviews with Ryan Johnson, who I like a lot. Like, <laughs> you know, I know he's got people angry at him 
his heart seems to generally be in the right place. I and he seems to so, care yeah. very much about what he's doing and is genuinely trying and I think largely succeeding at what he wants to do, whether people like it or not. But he was making a point. This is on the Good One podcast. And he was talking about whodunits and kind of traps writers of whodunits fall into. And he said, number one trap. Yeah, like the one with the reverse bear trap, I think is one of the most interesting <laughs> mistakes writers make. Number one trap, he said, is people who try to make the detective the protagonist. Uh -huh. And he was like, never, ever do that. The detective should be kind of a cipher. Like they're not a super well-defined character. And they're not that interesting compared to the other people around them. And I was like, oh, okay, that totally tracks with Benoit Blanc, Blanc, uh, who's a, you know, a weird little caricature, increasingly yeah. so in the second one. But name a character trait other than his accent. Like, doesn't really have any. Yeah. The thing that I do think works really well about Knives Out is that the movie kind of puts you at arm's length from him, where like, yes. we're seeing so much from the Anna de Armas' character's perspective that he's really untrustworthy for big stretches of the movie, mm -hmm. which I think was a great call that works really well in that way. And that happens a lot in like Poirot stories and stuff too. Mm -hmm. And in Glass Onion, he feels much more like our POV character for big stretches of the movie. Very much so, yes. And I think part of the way they sort of try to resolve that is just by making him like a condescending prick for big parts of the movie, which I thought yeah. was really funny and entertaining. Yes. Like um, when he, uh, spoiler for Leighton for a specific joke from the movie. If you for a movie up, I'm never going to watch. <laughs> there's a, the moment when we've seen all the other characters like struggle with the puzzle box. And then when Benoit describes it and he says, uh, he says, yeah, I received a box in the mail that was covered in simple children's games, <laughs> which is such a great idea. It's so funny. So at the beginning of the movie, there's a puzzle box and they figure out various things that are like almost all movie puzzles. They completely do not hold up. Movie puzzles are either impossible or obvious. Yeah, that's so true. Perfectly put. Yeah. And these are the obvious kind. Yeah, like the stereogram is just like, even if you didn't figure out it was a stereogram, wouldn't you just notice the button pretty quickly? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then one's like, you know, what number is it? Oh, it's silver. Well, what's the atomic number of silver? It's like, yeah. it's stuff where there's the tiniest amount of nonlinear thinking. And what I liked about that a lot is they are presented as, it's the first thing in the movie, they're presented as this like, series of puzzles and oh my god we're solving them and isn't that cool then he comes in and he's like yeah it's fucking easy we meet our protagonists not the protagonists but like the the suspects it kind of makes it feel like they are clever puzzle loving people which then turns out just completely not to be true that's it's right. just like not part of their identities at all yes the movie it's fascinating to me that it was written two years ago and it was finished a while ago and because of the context that it was released in, its jabs at Elon Musk feel really pat and obvious. <laughs> yeah. Where, like, I mean, they didn't know that Elon Musk was going to be on all of our fucking minds 24 hours a day. No, they, they didn't know <laughs> that day. there would be a very obvious example of an idiot tech guy who <laughs> had recently been proved to be incredibly stupid. Yeah, that is... A fascinating coincidence, but I, I will say that I'm going to try to be spoiler gentle 
I totally understand all of the causality of everything that happens at the end of this movie. And I think that the consequences that it suggests for the culprit, I don't find them convincing at all. Yeah, I think that's fair. The last like 20 minutes of the movie rang super false to me just because I like did not buy what would happen on an emotional level. That's a totally fair criticism. Yeah, I think that in general, I was just thinking about that the entire movie about how just like it's really easy to talk shit about Marvel movies. And I think that they're really masterpieces in a certain sense, even though I would say that I strongly dislike them and they are not for me. But definitely, like, if somebody talks about somebody's performance in a Marvel movie, I think usually they're just saying that person's hot, which is fine. (laughs) Uh But this movie, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's full of hot people. But I do think they are genuinely acting and having fun. Even in movies that I love in the past, you know, handful of years, that's really not what movies are motivated by. Yeah. You know, if I think about, like, some of the movies that I've really enjoyed watching in the past couple of years, it's like, you're not really watching actors act their fucking heads off, aside from Olivia Coleman in The Favorite, I guess. But like, <laughs> even in like pretty arty movies, that's not what I enjoy about films a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And like this movie, there's a lot of annoying and distracting CGI at times, but in general, it's just like actors doing a fucking great job and seeming yeah. like they're really, really having fun. It was so cool to watch that. <laughs> there was a, a fun thing that came from the Ryan Johnson interview I heard where he said that, So the character Kate Hudson plays, who is a model slash entrepreneur. Influencer. Influencer. Who has a line of sweatpants called Sweetie Pants, I think. Kate Hudson told uh, Ryan Johnson that she was going to play the character as if she only understood every third word that people were saying. And I thought that was such a fun, like, acting challenge kind of thing. Because the whole thing about that character is she's dumb. And doesn't quite understand what's happening. And the, the every third word thing, Ryan Johnson was like, look at her reactions. And you can see she's actually trying to do that. <laughs> I think it could be a different strokes kind of thing. But I think that that character really, really, really could fall off like so many different cliffs in yes. terms of just being like, I don't know, like a misogynistic thing. Like it's just like a totally. generic dumb blonde or something. I think that she plays it very, very well in having perfect unearned confidence yes she is totally confident and is selling that even when she seems like she's struggling she still like seems like she thinks she is tricking everyone yeah i I think it works really really well i I thought she was really cute and funny i agree i don't want to exclude layton you from this conversation any more than we already have no this is like listening to a better podcast i also and i'm not kidding this isn't like some kind of veiled barb but I thought you would start pitching in criticisms of Knives Out into this. Yeah, because I know you, famously you're not a I, fan. No, I know, but I really don't like it. But I'm sick of it being the bit that I hated so much. Like, Oh, yeah, that sucks, totally. That's a shitty thing to be pigeonholed into. But, well, I did that to myself partially, huh. much like a saw trap. But hmm. I, I don't know. I'm more interested in hearing two people who, who enjoyed the thing talk about it without me being like... Mwah. You know? Yeah. I have been very proud of myself lately at getting better. And it's not even necessarily just lately, because it's it's been a procession of, like, years, for example. Because I will say, for example, like, when I saw Ghostbusters 2016, <laughs> I was really surprised with how negative people felt about the movie. Because it was just like, yeah, it had some jokes in it. I laughed at them. It was fine. <laughs> it was 
a fine film. And that's it. And I feel like I am getting better at that stuff as time goes on. But it is like the thing that almost poisons the well for any for all of the films Ryan Johnson has made has been people talking about them like they are masterpieces. That's right. Yes. Knives Out getting nominated for Best Screenplay is the most insane shit I've ever heard in my life. So, yeah, I think, Jory, you and I talk about this a lot how like we can't just have solid C minuses anymore. Yeah. There can just be a movie that's like just okay. It doesn't have to be the best thing in the world just because it has actors who are acting in it. Like that I don't know. I think there are yeah. gradations of movie quality and movie enjoyment and I get pissed when a thing that is pretty evidently um a C minus is you know whatever. But I love a ton of shit that that is way worse than a C minus and think it's brilliant actually, but you know. We are doing this at the end of a, a Saw podcast. Yeah. So. A Sod cast? I like Sod cast. The Sod cast. I feel like we, yeah. we need to spend another half hour on like Lowe's and Home Depot at the end of this <laughs> in order to justify that. But Of course, of course, of course. I was going to say, I wonder how much of the has to be a masterpiece or a complete pile of shit is driven by the fact that mid-budget movies don't really happen as much That's anymore. That's probably so true, Brian. You're so right, yeah. yeah. That is one corner I kind of backed into when I was talking about liking Glass Onion was that it's nice that this movie had a really big budget. It was huge, right? Wasn't it like $200 million or something? Well, I mean, Netflix paid, I think, $450 million for two Knives Out sequels. It's ridiculous. Well, that makes me want to, you know... Yeah, the the question there to me, and this is genuinely, I mean, other people have asked this and I don't know anything about this stuff, so I don't understand it at all, is how is that worth it? This movie saw very limited theatrical release, Mm -hmm. not so much that it would earn any fraction of its budget back. I mean, a tiny, tiny fraction, maybe. So where is that money coming from? Netflix earns money when people subscribe. Right. So they're very algorithmically driven. Obviously, smart people have decided this was worth it. And I don't know how their fucking business works. So what the fuck am I talking about? But it is genuinely a mystery to me how that budget is worth it. I don't think I necessarily know any better than you. But I will say, based on what I know, it is not worth it. And the business is not working. And the algorithm should not have been trusted. Everything I know about Netflix and all of those other streamers, I mean, take what Zaslav is doing at HBO Max. uh, I think that they are all failing and will continue to fail. So I was talking with a writer friend of mine this weekend, and she was saying that it's a weird time to be a writer because the industry is in total freefall right now. (laughs) And you just don't know, like, projects are getting canceled left and right. Coincidentally, a separate writer friend of mine I was talking to was like, he was like, I never get paid my quote unquote rate anymore because places can't afford it. Oh, that's such a bummer. And he's like, you know, I, I do these jobs here and there, but it's not my quote unquote rate, but it's the best I can get at the moment. And it's very interesting. Like there, there is a major transition happening, it seems right now in the industry. And I'm certainly not qualified to speak on this because, you know, we're all in this weird little corner of entertainment, but it seems that people are totally confused about how anything makes money. Yeah. Yeah. I think that applies to generally existing on the planet and not just film industry. Jory, you made a good point. I think, was I talking to you the other day? 
something about how it knives out feels like the replacement for Marvel movies that is like still kind of doing it. <laughs> yeah, I, I I do think I said something along those lines where it's like it feels like the beats and the way the characters work feels really similar to franchise filmmaking, mm-hmm. but it's just like about adults. It's about ostensibly normal people instead of people with magical powers. A lot of the setups and payoffs feel really similar to like MCU shit too. Uh, which again, I think MCU movies generally, aside from like Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, are pretty, pretty marvelously <laughs> written. I think for the most part, they're they're really interesting and well made movies that I just deeply do not like or care about. Yeah, and I think my response to that conversation was that like because any idea of a mainstream has fractured so hard that the replacement for the mainstream is simply capital F franchise, mm-hmm. which really gets me and maybe is partially what bothers me about Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery. Like, I don't like that everything is becoming so honed down. It gets branded. Yeah, I I don't care for it. I think it is bad for everyone. (laughs) Well, such is our point of view here on Late Night with Brian Wack to Brian Wack production. Jesus Christ. Yeah. (laughs) Well, (laughs) it's 11 p.m. Yes, I'm tired. We've been recording for a long time. And I don't know how much of this is salvageable. <laughs> I think thank most. You, I think it's great. I've had a great time. This has Me been wonderful. Too. Jory, thank you as always for joining us. Oh, yes. of course. What a delight. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you both for this. This was fun. Thank you. As a reminder, we'll put this at the front of the episode too, but anyone who wants to see the watch along part of this, come to our Patreon, patreon.com slash late night. Jory, where can people find you at these days? Um... I, uh, five, four, three, two, one. Okay. Time's up. Uh, good luck everybody finding jewelry. He's around (laughs) somewhere. The joke that I almost committed to, except it just would have been annoying to edit it out, was if I just (laughs) said my own actual home address. (laughs) Like under duress, just blurred it out. (laughs) We've done that on this show before. That's very, very funny. I have a Twitter I don't use, except I'm going to use it intermittently to promote my upcoming video game. Can you talk about that at all right now? Yeah. It's a video game that I, um, the creator and director of, made it with a group of amazing gamers, including Leighton, who co-wrote the game with me. Mm -hmm. And it's coming out soon from our friends at Game Grumps and our publisher, who are also friends at Rogue Games. Do you have a a release date? Uh, We don't, but it's pretty soon. I'm looking for a date that is a 100% guaranteed release date. Mm, I was trying to think of a way to say, like, no, I can't figure one out. <laughs> we've, been, we've been doing this a long time. We the energy been. is running low. Yeah. I know. I like My brain started trying to do, like, uh, some way of, like, a substitution that meant, like, your mom's house or something. Like, <laughs> what year yeah. is it? Your mom's birthday. It's a pretty fucking cool game. That Thanks, Gamer. You- you'll be able to play eventually. Thank you for that. What year is it? Twin Peaks reference story. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I meant. It was a reference to the final line of <laughs> Twin Peaks, the return, a show that lots of people have watched. <laughs> okay. But for both of you, isn't it so exciting when you find somebody else who's like, I love Twin Peaks. And you're like, did you watch the return? And then they say yes. And it's like, <laughs> well, ah! yeah, it is so, so funny. Like talking to Twin Peaks heads and being like, Hey, did you watch the return? And they go, no, <laughs> It's, it's like, and, and like not even to seem gatekeepy, but it's like 
the return is maybe like 75% of how much I love Twin Peaks now. Like, yes. yeah, like, totally. It's anyway, we've talked about this at length. Yes, we have. <laughs> yeah. How you could be like, I'm a huge Twin Peaks fan. And then, no, but I get it because I was like that because I wrote off the return for a really long time and I totally understand the point of view. But now it's like, nope, this is like most of it for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I get it. It's scary. You love a thing. Something else comes out years later. By the way, name another fucking quote unquote reboot, whatever, that has been that good and you can't. Oh, so true. Totally. That is 18 hours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is terrifying. And for other things of that era... X-Files, whatever, everything they've brought back has been a complete shit show. Oh, so true, yeah. I mean, it's like, like uh, ugh, what's, the, what's the second X-Files movie? I didn't think the movie was awful. Oh, uh, believe, it was Believe. Believe was in it, wasn't it? I was thinking, is it Trust the Science? <laughs> I was going to say it's like Dare to Believe. So it was Fight the Future was the first one. Right, right. And then... Fuck. What was it? X-Files, file under X. Is anyone looking this up? Nope. Hold on. I'm going to be mad if I don't figure this out. X-Files. It had like a priest or something in it, right? Listeners are dying to know. <laughs> I want okay, to believe. On. I want to believe. Is that That's really what, what it's called? Yeah. I want to believe that this episode's over. I love I you believe both. was in it. And listeners, you're cool too. I'm not going to say I love you because I don't know you, but watch Saw. If you haven't seen Saw, watch Saw. Fun fact from, this is the kind of stuff I wanted to get into, from Wikipedia, the editor was Richard A. Harris. Here, I'm going to read the rest of the crew now. The X-Files, I want to believe. What a debacle. See, see, see you next, next week for another thrilling episode of Late Night with Brian Weck. Three casting directors, including Goodbye. Mindy Marin. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Leighton Night is produced by Brian Wecht, Leighton Gray, and Jarek Centeno. Follow us on Twitter at Leighton Night, on Instagram at Leighton underscore Night, or email us at LeightonKnight at gmail.com. <laughs>